Good morning, College Acres. It's good to be with you today. We are in our final week of a series on the life of Joseph. It's been good, hasn't it? I've enjoyed it. I feel like God has, has taught me a lot over the last few weeks as I've uh, prepared to uh, teach and, and preach on Sundays as we go through this. And last week we talked about waiting and patience and trusting God and trusting God's timing. So how many of you, I'm just curious, throughout the week noticed a little bit more how impatient and, uh, you know, tough it is to wait that you can be? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just the only one because I didn't last very long on Sunday. Uh, I went to get some barbecue at Smokehouse in Leland. And uh, I'm standing in there, I'll walk in, and, and there are a lot of people waiting. They must have been a little behind because uh, people are kind of, uh, you know, scattered around waiting. And you can tell that I, I'm just looking around at just how impatient people are getting, just their, their body language and all of that. And then after a while, as I'm waiting on my food, I noticed I started to get a little impatient, you know, crossing my arms, looking at my watch. And then I hear this song come on the radio. It's a, they play Christian music in there. It's Christian Stanfield. And he said, we wait for you, Lord, we wait. And, I, I'm not, and now you all know I'm not on the worship team. Uh, but I just felt like God thumped me on the head. I said, you knucklehead, you just preached on this a few hours ago, and now here you are getting impatient and waiting because your barbecue's getting to you too slow. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, it was, it was worth the wait. Y'all might have to go over there after, uh, after church. Uh, but it was, it was good. So um, let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, thank you for this time we have to come together uh, corporately as a body, Lord, and, and just study your word, look at your word, and see what you have to say to us, God. See how you're going to shape our lives to mold us more into the image of Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would take your word, Lord, that we would apply it to our lives, and that we would glorify you in all we do throughout this week. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so as we come to the end of this series, we are going to see today just a wonderful picture of forgiveness. And we kind of get to see the, the big picture of what God has been doing in the life of Joseph this whole time. It's kind of like this. I, I brought a puzzle piece with me today. I sat down last night with my son to put this puzzle together. Now, this is a real easy one. It's a Mickey Mouse puzzle. Uh, and us putting it together equals really me putting it together and him running around the room. But I had to finish what I started. So uh, put, the, put the puzzle together, and I, I didn't have anything to go off of. I'm just kind of looking for, you know, matching pieces. And I finally, after about 30 minutes, 28-year-old uh, me figured it out. And uh, so, you know, it, it wasn't that hard. But if you have a 5,000-piece puzzle, I don't even know if they make those. I've, I'm not patient enough to find out. Uh, but if you had a 5,000-piece puzzle, what is helpful sometimes? To look at the, yeah, the, the front of the box, the picture, so that you can, as you put things together, you kind of know how it's going to turn out. You kind of know how it's going to look. But imagine I take that away, and I just dump those 5,000 pieces out on the table in front of you and say, have fun. Well, it's probably going to take you a little longer. But what if I know what the picture is? What if I know how it's supposed to look, and I hand you one piece at a time, and you've got to trust me 
Well, that's kind of what we're seeing here. That's, that's how it works in our lives at times when we're trusting God, when we're trying to follow his will. We don't see the big picture right away. We're trusting God. He hands us a piece at a time, and it may be a season of life. It may be a group of people that you get to know here, a, a place that you live at this time, and you don't really see how it's all fitting together until the, the puzzle and the, the, your life starts to take shape into what God is doing. And then you can look back and see, wow, I see what, what God is doing. And, and we've talked about this a lot over the, the past few weeks. And, you know, God is, is weaving things together to write a story in your life, just like we see that he's doing in the life of Joseph. I want to give you a... Short story, little example, just a small example of this. I, I told you last week that I had a few jobs when Lauren and I lived in Wake Forest. And one of those jobs was I worked at a gym. So I worked at a gym, and uh, I was a youth pastor at a little country church part-time, and so I was doing both of those things. Lauren was uh, also working at a gym, personal trainer, um, in a lot better shape than I am still. So uh, we're, we're doing that. And uh, actually had a membership at a different gym. Now, why would you do that? Well, you get a free membership at this gym you work at. I, I had a membership at another gym. Well, because when I'm off the clock, I was trying to do my thing that, I, you know, I enjoy doing, working out. And uh, people come up and ask you questions. Hey, what about this? What? I could never get anything done. So I just got a membership at another gym. Uh, but we were all in there one night. And, we, you know, no kids or anything at that point. So it was like 930 at night. We're in there working out. And uh, my college roommate, uh, who was actually, actually my workout partner, he was, him and his wife were living at the seminary at the time. So uh, we were all in there. And there's this guy just kind of walking around, took his shirt off, just hollering, screaming. And I'm all, I'm all about getting a little rowdy during a workout. But this guy's taking it to a whole new level. And uh, I'm like, what is going on here? But uh, I, I actually had a chance to talk with him on, a, on an occasion and actually share the gospel with him. And his response to me was, I'm good. I don't need that in my life. And so the um, conversation kind of ended. Well, about three months later, I'm, I'm working at the front desk there at the, at the gym. I, I sold memberships. And so I see this guy walk in. And I know, I recognize, I know this guy. I'm like, oh, boy, here, you know, here we go. And uh, when he walks in, he seemed kind of discouraged. He seemed kind of down. Real low key, didn't say didn't say a whole lot, just walked in, and um, I went back to my office, I was, I was doing some work, and I felt like, and this doesn't happen all the time, uh, but I felt the Holy Spirit, you know, pressing my heart, hey, go check on him, I said, no, nah, I don't want to do that, um, I'm going to sit here in my office where I'm comfortable, and I just couldn't shake it, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, go check on him, so I went over to the uh, treadmill where he was at, and I said, hey, man, um, I don't know if you remember me, but I just want to see how you're doing. And he looks at me and says, well, I don't even know why I'm in here working out. I haven't eaten anything in, in three days. And um, just kind of told me a little bit about his situation and, and some stuff he was going through. And so I told him, I said, hey, man, um, just go ahead and finish your workout. And then before you leave, come by, come get me, and we'll go over to the store, and we'll get you, you know, whatever you need. Uh, so we, we actually did that. We, we went over there. Went to a food line, and we just grabbed a cart and walked around, 
Uh, he got what he needed. I didn't tell him what to get, what not to get, uh, how much or how little. He just got what he felt like he needed. And uh, we go to check out, and the total is $49 and some change. Well, a week ago, week before that, I told you I was a youth pastor at a church, and it was Pastor Appreciation Month, and they had given us a uh, gift card, food line gift card for $50. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money, so we were real excited. But uh, I pulled out my wallet to pay. I saw that gift card. I just handed it over. And uh, I think that God gave me that so I could pass it on to him. You know, you can say that things like that are a coincidence or that we even saw each other and at, at a different place at a different time. But I believe that God puts you in, in a certain place at a certain time in, in certain situations to carry out his will. And so that's just a, you know, a, a short little uh, story that, that I, you know, came to my mind as I was preparing this week, wanted to share it with you. Uh, but as we pick up in Joseph's story today, uh, we remember last week that we left off, Joseph had just been appointed as the second in command in all of Egypt. After he had interpreted Pharaoh's dream that there will be seven good years or seven years of plenty in the land, and then after that would come seven years of famine. So throughout the seven good years, Joseph has been overseeing the plan, his, his plan that he proposed to store up food so that during the famine there will be enough to get them through. And the Bible tells us that the, the harvest during that time were so plentiful that the grain was like sand of the sea. And they were storing up so much, in fact, that they stopped. They just stopped measuring. They just stopped keeping track because they had so much. It was great. There was plenty of harvest. And then the famine hits. And that's where we pick up today. The seven years of famine are upon the land. And Jacob, Joseph's dad, he tells his sons, he says, boys, what are y'all doing standing around looking at each other? Saddle up the donkeys and go out to Egypt and see if you can get some food for us, or we're going to starve out here in Canaan. So they do that, and the only one who doesn't go is Benjamin, who's the youngest. This is Joseph's younger brother. All the, all the others are older than Joseph. So dad keeps Benjamin at home. And I want to show you a map, if we got it on the, on the slide here. This is kind of the journey that, that they're going to take from Canaan to Egypt, and you see a few lines on that map, and it's because they go back and forth a few times, and you'll, you'll see that here, uh, but just keep in mind, this is not a short uh, walk across town. This is a long journey for these guys, and so um, they take off, and, and, they, and they arrive in Egypt, and they come before, guess who? Joseph. And he's in charge of the food, and so they, what do they do? They bow to the ground before him, and Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And what ensues is he starts to, like any good brother would do, mess with them a little bit. He's playing some mind games with them. And he, so he, you know, they're there, they're trying to get some, some food, and he says, no, I, you guys are spies. They're like, oh, no, we're not spies. And they're like, yeah, I think you're spies. I'm going to lock you up. And so they're freaking out. They're, you know, they're worried. And they're saying, look, look, we're, we're, 
promise. We're not spies. There's, we're, there are 12 of us brothers. You see 10 of us here. One's at home with dad, the youngest. And then one of them, one of our brothers, he's no longer alive. And so he, he locks them up. And um, then he, he, he tells them, if you, you, know, you want to prove that you're telling the truth, then you can go home. I'll send you back with, with the grain that you came for. And I want you to go home. I want you to bring you back this younger brother you're talking about to prove to me that you're not spies. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to tie up Simeon, one of the brothers. He said, we're going to tie him up as collateral until you get back with the younger brother. And so they go back home. They have the grain that they came for. And they're like, Dad, uh, he says that, uh, you know, this, this ruler in Egypt, he, he says that we need to bring uh, Benjamin back because he thinks that we're spies. And Jacob's like, no way, Jose. You know what happened last time? I, I trusted you guys. You, uh, Joseph didn't come home. You're not getting Benjamin. And uh, he is just like, Dad, he's, he's not taking no for an answer. This, you know, this has got to happen or else we're not going to get Simeon back. And so finally they convinced Jacob to say, okay, well, take Benjamin, but you better bring him home. So when they get back, they're called to the house of Joseph for a feast. And I love this. If, if you think the Bible is boring, you're boring. That's your own fault. This, the, the Bible is hilarious because listen, listen, look what Joseph does to them. He seated them at the table in order by age from firstborn to youngest. And the Bible says that the men looked at each other in astonishment because they still don't recognize him. They're like, man, this is weird. And so they, they enjoy the feast, they drink, they eat, and the next morning they, they load up their donkeys to go home. And he sends them back with, with more grain. And well, here's, here's what Joseph does this time. He, he sends them back, but he puts a silver cup, his silver cup, in the bag of Benjamin. And he lets them go, and then he sends his men out to stop them, and he says, hey, whoever has my silver cup at the top of their bag, I want you to bring that person back. He's going to come back, and he's going to serve as my servant. So they, they chase them down, they stop them, and they, they go through the bags. And lo and behold, in the top of Benjamin's bag is the silver cup. And the guys are like, we're taking him back with us. Joseph said so. And the brothers are, the brother's about to lose it at this point. They're like, no, dad is going to lose his mind if we come home without Benjamin. And so they go back to Egypt and they try to convince Joseph, like, let us all go home together. And they're, they're begging him. They're on the ground begging him, let, it, let us all go back together. And then that's where we're going to pick up in, in chapter 45, verse 1 of Genesis, if you'll turn there with me. I'll give you just a minute. It says, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his, all of his attendants, so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. 
But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Can you imagine being in the room? Can you imagine? Just put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Just the, the terror that they felt knowing what they had done to their brother. And now they're standing before him. Verse 4, then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And they're like, oh, yeah, we remember. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you that sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now here's the climax of the whole narrative. Joseph's dream that he had a long time ago has come to pass. His brothers are bowing before him, and his father will be coming soon, but, but right now before him are all of his brothers, the brothers that, that threw him into a pit, that sold him to traitors as a slave, and then lied to their dad saying, Joseph's dead. And now he's the second most powerful man in Egypt. And they're, they're standing before him. He could strike them down. He could have them killed. He could, after all they've done to him, wouldn't be so bad, right? I mean, that's what they deserve. He could, he could throw them into prison to say, you're never going to see the light of day again. But he doesn't do that. He forgives them. And I'm not talking about a fake forgiveness. You know what I'm talking about when you're like, yeah, I forgive you. What? I didn't hear you. Yeah, I, for, I forgive you. And then you go on and you hold a grudge against that person for years upon years. No, this is total, true forgiveness. It says, then, then Joseph, in verse 14, it says, then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Now, why is Benjamin so important? Benjamin uh, and Joseph had the same mother, Rachel. And, and Benjamin was the youngest. So whenever Joseph left, he hasn't seen him in a long time. And he could have feared that maybe his brothers would have treated him the same way. So he is just so ecstatic to see him alive and well. And it says, Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. What you're looking at here in the text is the picture of true forgiveness. Now, I want you to turn with me over to the New Testament to the book of Matthew, book of Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to look in verse 21. And as you're turning there, I'll, I'll tell you that, that Jesus is teaching on forgiveness here, and he's teaching uh, his disciples, and he's, he's helping us understand 
forgiveness on a deeper level as he shares a parable with us. Verse 21, then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the, and then he, he goes into this parable. He says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into the prison until he could pay what he was owed. When the other servants saw that what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you, to, to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from the heart. I'm just going to let that sit for a moment. You might read that and just be appalled. How could this man, how could he be so unmerciful after he had been shown so much mercy? That is until we realize that the person in the parable is us. It's me and it's you being shown the forgiveness and mercy of God, being forgiven of our sins in front of a perfect and holy God, and we walk around with hate in our hearts for another person, it doesn't add up. I wonder, who is it that you need to forgive today? Maybe someone has hurt you, maybe someone has wronged you. Maybe you've been holding on to that for years. But I just want you to consider this morning the grace and the kindness of God that while you and I had sinned against him, he, he sent his one and only son to, to die on a cross as a payment for our sins. And Jesus on the cross, he could have, he could have called down 10,000 angels to take him off the cross and wipe out everyone who was torturing him. He could have. He could have said the word and it would have happened. And quite frankly, that's, that's what all, they all deserved. That's what we all deserved. But he didn't do that. 
He even said the words as he hung there on the cross suffering, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Some of you today may need to ask God to forgive you. You need to receive the the forgiveness of God and, and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You might be here today and you've never done that. You say, well, why, why do I need to be forgiven? What have I done? I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, that we've all rebelled against God, went our own way, and we all are in desperate need of God's forgiveness. One of the most profound questions I think any of us could ever be asked is, if you were to stand before God, say your life on this earth is is over, and you're standing before God, and he says, why should I allow you to come into heaven? Why should you be here? What are you going to say? God, I was a really good person. I did a lot of good things. You're not good enough. I know that's not common and, and, and popular, right? I mean, I, I talk to so many folks, they're like, yeah, I, I'm a good person. I'm probably going to heaven. You go to a funeral, he was a good man. He, she was a good woman. There's going to be a lot of good people by our standards that are in hell. If I stand before God and he asks me that question, the only answer I can give is I don't deserve to be here, God. It's only by the the blood of Jesus that I'm forgiven and that I can stand here before you and that I can have a, a relationship, an eternal relationship with you. It's all because of Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. There's nothing you and I could have done. It's all him. And it's a gift that we receive when we come to know him. We put our faith and trust in him. Because apart from Christ, we'll be separated from from God forever, for eternity in hell. Because we'll stand guilty. But through Christ, we can be made righteous. We can be washed clean. We can stand before God and, and be free from the stain of sin because of Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that when we do that, we become a new creation. When we trust Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, the, the old person is gone and the new has come. You're a new creation when you come to know Christ. Isn't that awesome? Anybody thankful for that? I am. And I want to give you a, an opportunity to respond this morning. So if you will... Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word today. And maybe that's you. Maybe as I'm talking, you're hearing these words and you're like, I, I need God to forgive me. I've never, I've never asked him. He's able to. He will. We don't deserve it. 
but he offers us forgiveness because Jesus paid the price for sin on the cross. And so if that's you today, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never trusted him as Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you today, I just, I just want you to pray this with me. Say, Father, I'm a sinner in, in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus paid for my sin on the cross. And I believe that three days later, he rose from the dead and he walked out of the grave. And because he lives, I have hope. And Lord, I repent of my sins. I trust you as my Savior. And I trust you as Lord of my life. I commit my life to you. I pray that you would take me and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that for the first time in your life today, I just want to ask you to do one simple thing. I want you to lift up your hand right now. Just lift up your hand so that we can pray for you, so that we can walk alongside you as a church. I was reminded this week of, as I was doing my devotionals, the power of the gospel, that word power, dynamite, power. And so I felt compared, compelled to give an opportunity to respond today. So even if you didn't, if, if, if you prayed that prayer and you didn't raise your hand for whatever reason, I just want to encourage you to come find me, come talk to someone today. Just let us, you know, celebrate with you and, and walk this journey with you. Others may be here today and as you're hearing the word, you're compelled to Forgive someone, to extend forgiveness to someone as God has extended forgiveness to you. I don't know who it is or what they've done, but I just want you to, I want to give you an opportunity right now as, as we sing this last song to pray to God and just ask him to give you the opportunity, the strength to speak to that person. To call them up today, this week, and say, hey, I forgive you. Some of you might need to do that today. Just let it go. Don't hold on to it any longer. So let's pray together as we close our time. Father, thank you so much for what you've taught us through this series in the life of Joseph. For the encouragement that we have from it, Lord, that... that even though we might not understand every situation that we're going through in life, good or bad, Lord, we, we know you're writing a story. We know you're doing something. You're working even when we can't see it. And so, God, we're thankful that you are a good father and that we can trust you. And, Lord, we pray that you would give us today the, the strength to forgive those who have wronged us, Lord, to make things right with people. 
Lord, because you've shown us so much love and mercy and grace that how could we not? Lord, I pray that as we go throughout our week, Lord, we let your word just fill our hearts, shape the way we live our lives, make us more like Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.